On this week's episode of the Friday Film Club and the last in season one, I speak to radio presenter Lizzie Romaine. Lizzie is a former midwife who is now committing to a career in the radio industry and literally two hours after we spoke she found out that she'd come fourth in uh, the radio star competition which is a huge deal so massive congrats to you for that Lizzie. Uh, we had a great chat about films, uh, about her uh, multifaceted career uh, and yeah it was a really great episode so I do hope you enjoy it and remember to follow us on social at the Fry Film Club, tell us you're listening and drop a little rating and review if you can as well. Enjoy! Lizzie, thank you for joining the show. Thank you. And uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. <laughs> Hi, so my name is Lizzie Romain and I'm a radio presenter and producer for Haze FM 91.8. I've got a new music releases show, which is on Thursdays 1 till 3pm. And it's kind of all genres of music, really. I kind of, sometimes I'll decide to go for an acoustic, an indie show, and then other times I'll do a more of a rock show or a pop show. And sometimes I throw in an EDM show in there if I feel like it. So really just depends week by week as to what I do. But yeah, I really enjoy it. That's what I do at the moment. I've also just accepted a uh, news job. So like news reporting, news reading for Radio Cardiff so I'm starting there in the next couple of weeks so yeah I'll be reading the news as well. You you obviously you've only been in radio for a couple of years is that right? I have I started in February 2020 which was just before lockdown in March 2020. <laughs> so you really haven't had any kind of real like normal working day sort of radio experience at all? I haven't, no. I've, I mean, I started at Hayes and I was in the professional studios and then lockdown happened like the next month. So I was forced out of my studio uh, and forced into my home studio, which I quickly made. And I just, I guess I kind of learned how to use Adobe products to kind of get me through to do some pre-record shows. So I taught myself how to use Adobe Audition, taught myself how to use Premiere Pro and then also Photoshop just to be able to sort of, I guess, market the shows and promo them on socials to get people listening. Because it is, it's really, it was really hard, you know. So hoping to get back into the professional studios at some point. But yes, it's, I've literally been like a, a DIY bedroom Awesome. Yeah, I find it. Um, I think if people knew what a lot of even professional broadcasters were doing during lockdown, like I've seen pictures of people with duvets over their heads, and we're talking like BBC, like proper national radio here. It's, it's just madness, really, what we've had to do to, to keep broadcasting through the lockdown. Just to survive. I mean, I yeah. wouldn't have even got off of the ground had I not done it myself do you know what I mean it is hard because you're sat at home you're recording all your shows and you're putting them out there and I guess you get feedback via social media and things but the weirdest thing is actually being after lockdown has finished and then coming back into the real world again and then going to gigs and then meeting these artists that you've supported on your show for however long mm. and then they're like wow you're like you're real you sound like you do on the radio and things and uh, it's, it's just bizarre. It's bizarre to actually go out in the real world and start meeting people because everything has just been via email or yeah. via socials, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm going to ask you to name drop and I know that's that's a terrible thing to ask you to do. 
have you have you met any famous people yet? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a bit weird. I've met famous people in a lot of different avenues in my life because I'm also a private midwife, so I also meet people through there. Um, but I guess by doing radio, I've supported, and I think a lot of people know Frederick Ferrier from um, Made in Chelsea. Yeah. So I'm actually, weirdly enough, I, I've been supporting him on my shows for the last sort of year, year and a half. And I went to a Billy Lockett gig, which happened a couple of months ago. And he happened to be in the audience. And I think message me or I message him just be like, oh, we're both here in the same place. Uh, so I guess people would know him. Uh, he's been on the show. I had Feeder on my show uh, last week, which was pretty cool. If you've had a Feeder from sort of 2008, 2009, didn't meet them in person, but they were on the show last week. So. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I've, I've met people in weird different spheres. They're probably like the most low key, but they're the ones that are linked to, I guess, the radio show and what I'm doing there. Yeah, of course. And I love how you just casually dropped in there that you're a private midwife. Um, so we are definitely going to have to talk about that at some point. Um, so I think um, let's jump into the questions. And as always, I asked the same questions to every guest. Uh, so we're going to go in big. What is your favourite film of all time? This one's so hard to name like your favourite film because I've got so many films that I love for different reasons. But if I had to pick one... I think it would have to be the Bohemian Rhapsody. And that's a really tricky one because also I've written down on my little list of reminders. I've also got Rocket Man listed there. Mm. I've also recently seen The Boat That Rocked and that is a fantastic film that I've only just seen. Uh, and I also really love Forrest Gump. But if I'm picking one, I probably have to go with the Bohemian Rhapsody. And I think it's just because I'm a massive Queen fan. I weirdly enough happened to be in the film Bohemian Rhapsody but can't actually really see me in it because uh, I do extras work as well on the side and I happen to be in the scene which is where Rami Malek playing Freddie Mercury is wearing he's wearing like a, is it a unitard and it's got mm. black and white diamonds on it and he's playing the Bohemian Rhapsody and it's meant to be on his US tour so I am dressed in the audience uh, in 1970s clothes and I'm pretending to be at a concert of the Bohemian Rhapsody, which it kind of felt real, to be honest. So we basically just got paid to be audience and pretend to rock out to the Bohemian Rhapsody for about 10 hours. So it sounds a little bit biased to say that that's my favourite film, but I've just got such an amazing memory attached to it because... There are about 150 of us extras and we were all dressed up in 1970s gear. So people had mullets, people had moustaches, you know, the big wide flares, flowery shirts. Yeah. It was a really surreal experience um, to be a part of. But the film itself is just fantastic. I mean, Rami Malek is just a fantastic actor. I think the script is amazing. It's quite true to life. I've read quite a lot of Freddie Mercury autobiographies and books about Queen in my life um, and it sort of seems to follow quite a good you know trajectory mm. along their career and it just it makes you cry like I think the final scene I think the thing that really clinched it for me was when they did the Live Aid scene and if you look back at the original footage I think on YouTube you can actually go and look 
and they've got the original and they've got the Bohemian Rhapsody take yeah, of it yeah. beside each other. And even the camera angles, they've pretty much got down to a T to what it looked like on Live Aid. And I remember watching it in the cinema in Leicester Square and I cried. I actually <laughs> cried at it because it was just so true to life. It was mm. just so real. Yeah, and I, I get uh, definitely a bit of bias there, but you'd be surprised how many people um, say Bohemian Rhapsody or Rocket Man is their favourite film. But really, yeah, um, I think maybe because they're they're a bit more recent, so maybe they they stick in the minds a bit more. But there is something just really fun and I guess a bit nostalgic about them. So I, I like them. I like them. But we have to go back to the fact that you're an extra on this film because <laughs> <laughs> I've always wanted to know when they're filming uh, like music performance scenes in films is it do they play the song out or is there this really awkward silent dancing miming going on it depends it does depend sometimes they'll play the track and then other times they'll have it silent so if they need to catch the audio so if the um if the actors are having like dialogue on the stage and they need to catch what they're saying mm. then we have to mime it but then on other occasions when they're trying to get the crowd to look their most authentic self, then they'll play the track out. But the weird thing is about being in audience, especially in a crowd scene, is they only have say 120 extras, but they need to make it look like the auditorium is full. Yeah. So it's kind of weird because they put you in different formations I'm, I'm giving it all away here. They put you in like little different formations, but then they do it in different sections going across the room. So you end up doing the same scene about, I don't know, 10, 15 times because you're basically moving from one area of the room to the next little area to the next little area. And I don't know how they do it, but I think they like green screen it and then they basically just multiply us. So you'll look at an audience scene and actually it's the same like 120 extras, but we're just duplicated about 50 times to make the place look full. Yeah, so there's actually about 50 of you in that scene. Yeah, I think that was probably, yeah, I think there was about 120 to 150 of us in the end. Yeah. Well, wow. well, that sounds that's amazing. Um, so you're you're a radio presenter, you're an extra, and you're a midwife as well. Uh, that's 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 quite a CV. When people ask me what I do for a living, I just always reply it's complicated because it really <laughs> is. It's weird because you think that midwifery is actually the main thing, and I guess that's the thing I'm qualified in. But I'd probably say that's the enigma in my life because I've always done extracurricular like acting or you know, well, extras mm. work is, I don't know whether you would want to call it acting. I suppose it is, ish, ish. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I suppose midwifery is the enigma and everything else is more authentically me. Mm. Fair <laughs> enough. So then going off your favourite film, what is your least favourite film? Okay. So I've only ever walked out of the cinema once in my life and <laughs> it was the other week and I'm really sorry if you like this film because there's loads of really good reviews out there but I could not watch the end of June like D-U-N-E oh the, the, this year's June yeah the one that's literally just come out oh I'm really really interested to know what you think of it because I haven't yet seen it <laughs> okay so there's lots of really good reviews and I really like the cinematography I really like the camera angles Everything is very symmetrical, which I like. It's very pleasing. Mm -hmm. But the costumes for me were scary. And maybe I'm just a sensitive soul, but 
it just creeped me out. It just made <laughs> me feel like there were bugs crawling all over my skin. And I've never felt like that in a movie, but I just couldn't stand it anymore. And I think it got to about half an hour and I was like, okay, this is creepy. Let's just wait it out. I'm sure it'll get better. Uh, I think we left it another 15 minutes and I was like, okay, now I, I'm seriously considering walking out now. And it got to an hour and I just said to my partner, I was like, look, you can stay if you're enjoying this, but I need to get out of here because it's not making me feel very well. <laughs> so we ended up both leaving, but he did say that he would watch it on catch up when it comes out. So I know there's lots of really good reviews about it and there's no spoilers, but it just didn't do it for me. You know, that that's a relationship test right there. If he'd have stayed in the <laughs> cinema, that would have been it. <laughs> I know well to be fair I actually paid for the cinema um because he paid for because we went to see James Bond the week before which he paid for so this was like my payback so I did kind of feel bad <laughs> halfway through but I did enjoy the new James Bond yes um I'm still again do you know what? I've been so terrible with films this year I, st I haven't seen James Bond either and I'm really trying to avoid spoilers because Obviously, it's, it's Daniel Craig's last Bond, and I don't know if that means he dies or if he just, like, retires or if the character just does its normal thing and just kind of rolls over to someone else. So I'm still yet to find out what happens. Avoid the spoilers and get yourself to a cinema. But it is yeah. good. It's the first James Bond film I've ever seen. I've never, ever seen James Bond before. So, yeah, it was my very first James Bond. I did a TikTok on it, actually, because... Uh, my partner was really surprised that I managed to go through my whole life without even catching one like at Christmas. I honestly haven't. So I did a little TikTok video basically surmising my my first James Bond experience. So So you've that. never you've never even watched a James Bond ever? No, never before. That's madness. <laughs> I don't know how you've done that. That's that's quite <laughs> impressive to avoid that. I don't even know whether I did it purposefully. It just kind of passed me by really to be honest wow wow well there you go well you've ticked that one off now so done yeah <laughs> uh, I guess the question is was no time to die enough to persuade you to see another one or are you done with Bond yeah so I made my partner watch all of the Harry Potter films because he hasn't <laughs> seen them so now he said in return I have to go back and watch all of the James Bonds so I'm like okay fair well maybe not all the James Bond maybe I should limit them to eight because there was only eight Harry Potters yeah that seems like a really unfair <laughs> trade <laughs> so yes I will I'm happy to to go back and watch watch some more James Bonds now yeah fair enough I guess you need to uh would you start with recent to old or Kind of release order i don't know what would you suggest i don't know i guess it doesn't really matter because the the movies themselves are quite kind of the narratives are very isolated it's only really like the daniel craig films where they try and have some sort of thread between them so i don't really think it matters I'm, i grew up very much in like the pierce brosnan era so you know die another day the world is not enough that kind of stuff so i'd always you'd, recommend that you'd recommend pierce Bros brosnan then yeah, he's, I, I think he's the Bond I grew up with. Um, but I feel like Daniel Craig is probably the best Bond. I'm sure my parents <laughs> would disagree with that, but yeah. <laughs> I guess it depends who you grow up with, though, isn't it? You know, mm. I don't know. It's interesting. Mm. I guess I'd need to watch it and, and then, yeah. Yes, watch a few, report back. Uh, so uh, this one is an, always an interesting question uh, for people. Uh, which film or TV character do you most relate to and why? 
This one was a really hard one. And I really had to think about it for a while. And I've kind of come up with quite a strange answer. Have you seen the series Afterlife with Ricky Gervais? Yes, I love it. Okay, good. So you'll understand what I'm talking about then. I just really relate to Ricky Gervais and his outlook on life. And I know that sounds really morbid because actually in that series, he's quite doom and gloom. And obviously the worst thing possible has happened to him that his wife has died. But I guess I've had a bereavement in my life as well. So I think maybe that's the reason why I can relate to it in a way. But I think the main thing that I take out of it, obviously he's quite sarcastic. He's got quite ironic sense of humor, but the underlying message is you only live once, you know, you've just got to kind of live your life to the best that you possibly can with all of the, you know, things that life throws in your path. And yeah, you just kind of have to make the best of it because we're all going to get old one day, which is really quite depressing. We're all going to die at some point, which is also a very depressing thought. But the only thing you can really do is kind of live for the there and now. Um, so I think the underlying message of that series and the way Ricky Gervais sort of conveys it, plus I like Ricky Gervais anyway, um, <laughs> from many series and movies and stuff gone past. I don't know. I just... I just think it's a message that isn't really relayed in the same way in anything else out there. Mm. So, Yeah, and I, I'm also, I share your love of Ricky Gervais um, from The Office to Extras. Even Life's Too Short, I, I don't mind it. Um, so I'm a big Gervais fan. And yeah, Afterlife is such a great series. Um, and I, I kind of, I agree with you because I think on the face of it, yeah, his character is so, as you say, doom and gloom. But actually, there's a real lesson in there that it, it, I like the fact that although he acts on it in probably the wrong way, yeah. he, he uses that tragedy to kind of liberate himself and think, actually, why, why am I like restricting myself to acting in a certain way or, or not saying what I really think about stuff? Just be who you are and live your life. Um, it's, That's it. And I, I like that. I like that. And he does it in, in his own kind of Ricky Gervais sort of way, uh, which I love. But uh, yeah, it's a great show. It's just, yeah, it's just that liberation of just being like, it doesn't even really matter what other people think of you because at the end of the day, you've you just got to be yourself really because people are going to judge you no matter what you do or what you say or what you act in. So it's better just to be your authentic self because then at least you're just being true to yourself and then you know where you stand with people. Yeah. So I don't know, I guess I just sort of read between the lines and obviously you know, grief is also a part of life. That is a part of life that's going to affect everyone in the course of your life, whether you, you know, lose a pet or grandparents or siblings, friends, everyone's going to lose someone at some point in your life. And you probably are going to go through a bit of a dark patch where you feel a bit miserable and a bit down about things. And I don't know, I just think it's being able to recognise that that is okay and you're allowed to feel like that. Yeah, I don't know. I just think it touched on a few things which sort of struck true, as it were. <laughs> yeah, and I think, you know, as you say, you know, we've all we've all had to experience grief at some point or, or we are going to at some point in our lives. Uh, and I, I think that the afterlife really normalises that process. Um, it doesn't kind of put a shine on it. Like series like, um, you know, like Scrubs, for example, is very Americanized and and even though they have those somber moments, it kind of goes back to sort of the the happy, laughy kind of sitcom. I like that that this isn't that, and it just really 
dives into I forget the character's name but it, it really kind of dives into his head and kind of shows you that it's actually okay not to be okay yeah it's raw isn't it and mm. you know I think during coronavirus as well especially everyone's had even if it's just a really slight knock to your mental health but not being able to do things that necessarily you know help you feel fulfilled in life like going away on holiday or even just seeing your friends your, your family and I don't know I just think that it's good to be able to talk about emotions and you know there's there's always this label of depression but actually I think grief obviously it does fall under characteristics of depression and it is a form of depression but actually grief is normal and you should feel grief and you should allow yourself to feel grief rather than try and shut it away because we're all human at the end of the day and if you didn't feel sad about someone dying then you know, that's probably not the most normal of feeling, you know? Yeah, so, yeah of course. Well, depending on who it is, I, I suppose, but, you know. Yeah, I, I guess the complete opposite end of the spectrum to that, you know, being a midwife, you get to probably experience a lot of the joy of helping people bring people into the world, which must be amazing, right? Yeah, it is, it is. Um, and I think seeing seeing both ends of the spectrum, I don't know, it just kind of gives you a bit of a, a full circle view of life really it's a weird one kind of makes you go a bit existential what's it called existential existential yeah there we go yeah (laughs) yeah fair enough and i guess like that i mean because you know i'm just i'm just a podcast producer by by trade so i like what i do is meaningless in the big scheme of things i and i'm just blown away by you know people in professions like that i mean obviously the NHS has had a spotlight on it for the last couple of years because of the pandemic and deservedly so. But midwives do not get enough credit. Like that, that's, that's a hell of a job. I think the thing is for me, and I mean, I've been a midwife now for 10 years, including my training. So I, I've done it for a good, you know, a good period of my life. And I've got no regrets. I've had some amazing experiences. I've looked after some really amazing women, had some really empowering experiences. But I just you know, a lot of people change their jobs in their lifetime. I think we sort of live in a generation now where you don't necessarily stick with the same thing forever. And I think for me, just from having always had a creative background, I did dancing 15 years, I did Amdram for four years, I did cheerleading for four, you know, I've always done other things and extras work for the last five years. So for me, it's kind of a natural progression to try and move Mm. more into the sort of entertainment industry now, uh, as it were. But where was I going with this? <laughs> yeah, you know, like there's absolutely no regrets. It's, it's, it's a very, very rewarding career. But I've kind of found in the last couple of years doing extras work that I've actually had a couple of gigs where I've been paid more to pretend to be a midwife than I actually get being a midwife. Oh, and it, it's happened on a couple of occasions now, probably about three or four times. And it's just a bit demoralizing really again going a bit morbid but you know it's it's not about the pay but when you're looking after someone you know women and babies and also their partner and then you get paid more to pretend to be a midwife for Mm. for the tv screen it just kind of throws into sharp relief actually how low midwives are, are being paid for what they're doing at the moment and there is there is a big movement happening actually right now which is called march with midwives there's a hashtag for it and it is making the news at the moment because people are, you know, 
a bit demoralized. We had the clap for the NHS every Thursday evening or whenever it was. But, you know, they've increased the pay by 3%. But then at the same time, they've increased minimum wage and they've increased taxes at the same time. So anyway, without going completely off on a different tangent, <laughs> it's, um, <laughs> it's an interesting one. <laughs> definitely. Yeah, no, I feel like we're, we're definitely straying into some political. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But still, I think uh, uh, immense respect to yourself and to anyone else that's ever done that job. Uh, that's that's incredible to me. Um, which I guess kind of takes us on to the next question, uh, which is that if your life was turned into a movie, what genre would it be and who would play you? <laughs> Does anyone stick to one genre um, for this question? Because I feel like I'd probably throw in on like all the genres and just be like, I'd start off as a rom-com, then I'd go into a bit of action, then I'd, I don't know, do something else, do a bit of comedy in there. I don't know. I feel like I'd probably try and squish all genres in there somehow. Yeah, I think uh, it's, it's uh, I don't think anyone has ever stuck to just one genre. You're not alone there. Uh, yeah, because, you know, it's life, isn't it? There's highs, there's lows, there's funny bits, there's sad bits. I think, you know, to put a whole life into one genre, I just don't know whether it'd be possible, really. Maybe mm. it's just, well, I don't know. But I think I'd probably have to go for a bit of a mad mix of all genres mixed together in a sort of way that works, in a way. <laughs> um, Fair I, don't, I, don't, I don't know who would play me, though. Uh, I really like Hilary Duff. I mean, the only thing that we've got in common is the fact that we're both blonde and we've got a fringe. So I guess the looks element is sort of there with Hilary Duff. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't say she's like uh, kind of like Oscar caliber of actress, but the, the look is definitely there. Yeah, but that's OK. I don't mind if she's not Oscar caliber. That's fine. <laughs> that just sort of adds to the, I don't know, the ambience of it. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, what would so what would be the, the kind of crucial scene in the movie of your life? Is there any particular kind of incident or, or memory that just sticks out at you? Oh gosh. Um, it's a tricky one because you can always sort of split your life into a lot of different things, but probably going back to the afterlife thing is my mum passed away about three and a half years ago. And I think that for me is probably the most pinnacle thing that's probably happened in my life. That's really kind of changed my outlook, changed my trajectory, changed what I appreciate. So I guess that's probably going to have to be the very sad, critical part of the film, I suppose. But then maybe it would make sense to kind of start with that. I don't know. Maybe it'd have to be one of those films which starts with something and then does flashbacks. And I don't know. Not sure. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess but that's probably the most pinnacle thing, I guess, if I had to look back in the course of my life, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, I guess that's, that's, I, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. And uh, uh, I, I guess without wanting to probe too much, you know, what, what was that like for you at the time? You know, was it, you know, obviously not good, but um, you know, how did you cope with that? Yeah, it's just a bit of a blur really, because it's weird when you lose someone that is so pinnacle to you so young, because that's like your safety blanket. Those are the people that you go to your parents are the ones that you go to when 
you know, you're not sure about something, whether it be a household bill or, you know, um, do you think I'm doing the right thing here? Mm -hmm. You know, it's the person that you share, you know, your happy memories with. So for example, you know, when I bought a house, um, you know, I haven't got kids, but you know, it's, it's all of those times and all of those occasions, even Christmas and things like that are, are so widely um, or closely linked to your parents. It's just a really weird thing when, you know, in your twenties, you then suddenly don't have that person in your life anymore. And it's not only that, it kind of, it shapes the dynamics of the family as well, because they're kind of, you know, the piece of the jigsaw, which links you to the rest of, you know, your, your mum's side of the family, as it were. Mm. So kind of everything changes and you kind of get left in this sort of world where you're like, okay, I'm going to have to sort of do everything by myself now, you know, I'm really going to have to rely on my own judgments and my own decision making and just make a go of it really. So yeah, it, it was very hard and it's, yeah, it's, it's a real tricky one to fathom. The only thing I can say is if I meet other people that have lost a parent young, it's weirdly like you're able to relate to them in a way, even though obviously their parents different things like that. But it's just this kind of weird sort of understanding and outlook of life where it's kind of like, you just don't know how long you've got. You don't know how long you're going to live. Just kind of do your best, try and enjoy things you know, step outside your comfort zone, go for things that you believe in and just don't really care what other people sort of think as long as you're not harming anyone by doing it, then mm. you're probably doing okay, you know? Yeah, and I guess, you know, that's a really that's a really positive way to um, come out of that that experience, um, which, is, which is lovely because obviously some people <laughs> do. Um, yeah, I guess some people really struggle um, to, to ever really adjust um to that sort of safety net as you say being being taken away um but that's mm. yeah i guess you know um thanks for sharing i, 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 no, I can't i can't relate and that's you know that's that's crazy to me but you know what i always say that to people if people can't relate it's okay i wouldn't expect anyone to be able to relate it's one of those weird things i think there's a lot of times in your life you can kind of make noises in the right place and that's okay as well like if you haven't been through something then you might not necessarily understand and, and that's totally okay you know it's that mm. it's not it's not a problem at all and you know I think I share in the sense that if there is someone listening then you know it might help them to hear of you know shared experiences so I mm. think that that's the most important thing really isn't it yeah of course and uh, this is potentially leading on um, somewhat sentimentally to, to, to our next question which is um, what's your most sort of nostalgic film <laughs> so uh back in the day do you remember like Aries and LimeWire and all of those initial really bad illegal streaming sites do you remember those <laughs> yeah well yeah. I definitely had one installed on the computer when I was little I was probably about 12 or 13 at the time um probably way before I sort of knew that it was dodgy or wrong to to do so anyway I happened to illegally download two movies and I think it was just age 13 and 14 they were just the ones that were like on the computer when you go home you could just 
chuck them on. One of them was 13 going on 30. <laughs> and then the second one was a Cinderella story. So I've got two sort of just really nostalgic films, which growing up when you're sort of 12, 13, 14, going through puberty, going to school, you know, like having your first crushes and things like that. They were just such lovely films, which just, they were just rom-coms, weren't they? Just mm. beautiful, like exciting you know it's just all about the sort of romance of the sort of situations and I don't know for me the music in those films and just everything about them just yeah it's just nostalgic I'll put them on if I want a little bit of a mental pick-me-up you know because they're, they're just light-hearted aren't they have you seen either of them I've I've seen bits of 13 going on 30 uh, I I mean I don't think it comes as any surprise. I'm probably not the target audience for those films. Um, but, really? But, yeah, really? amazingly. <laughs> um, but I have, I, you know, I've seen bits of them. Um, I, but there's, I guess you've always got those films, haven't you, where uh, particularly when you watch as a, as a kid um, and they just, they don't, they're not necessarily good films. They're not even <laughs> particularly enjoyable, but they, they just stick in your head and they bring back the memories yeah. of being a, a kid and watching it, right? But it's weird as well, because sometimes you go back and it's amazing how much films shape you as a child and how what is said in films and what happens in films really sticks with you as you get older. Um, like I've even watched films before and thought, I even used to dress like that person growing up. Do you know what I mean? You, you'd look yeah. back and I bought a school bag very similar to the one that's in this film or whatever. <laughs> and it's just bizarre, isn't it? How much you kind of copy things as a child and really just how influential films are. And probably, I guess, how important the PG rating or the age 15 rating and things of films are as well, because they definitely stick with you. You know, there's films that I used to watch when I was little, things like Shrek. And I still know all the words for them. I'll put them on and my partner will just be like, just shush, you know. <laughs> yeah. I'll just be saying all of the words exactly the right time because they just stick with you, don't they? Yeah. They're like a little sponge at that point. Yeah, I completely agree. And I remember being, um, I was, must have been about 15 or 16 when I watched American Pie for the first time. And um, for the, the 20 years thereafter, I've dressed exactly like this. Um, and for those of you, for those of you who can't see, it's the it's the the gym from American Pie sort of shirt t shirt combo uh, that no, very much belongs in the nineties. Um, and yet here I am still wearing it. It's it's crazy. I I you know never let the fear of striking you out keep you from playing the game. That is a quote that's written on the wall. If you've seen the film A Cinderella Story, you'll completely understand what I'm on about. But that is something that has stuck with me ever since. Never yeah. let the film striking you out keep you from playing the game. I still think that now, you yeah. know, it's imprinted on my young mind and it still <laughs> plays itself out on a daily basis, you know? Yeah, and I, it's amazing, isn't it, how 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 easily those little things stick. Um, and I, I always think, um, I don't know if, you, if you've ever had this, where you get this kind of flashback and you just can't pinpoint it, but you just have this recollection of like a a shot or like a scene of something that you remember seeing as a kid but you just can't place where it come from yeah and sorry it... I'm nodding along yeah <laughs> I've, I've definitely had that and I've I've kind of thought I think it's from this film but there's a couple of pieces of the puzzle which I've never actually got around to watching the film that I think it is 
Yeah. I mean. Yeah, definitely. And there's there's been so many occasions when I've I've started to uh, to, to recall a film or something I've seen in the past to my wife, and it gets as far as me actually remembering what it's called or enough detail to actually for, for that to be any use whatsoever. And uh, it's just it, it's gone. It's nuts, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, you know, I guess back in. I don't know how old you are, Liam, but, you know, back in the day, definitely in my time, we had videos. I'm sure you're mm -hmm. the same. We have videos. So you'd only have the number of videos that you had in your house, right? Yeah. And yeah. you probably only get, you know, unless you were very lucky and had lots and lots of videos, you probably only get maybe a couple more for your birthday, a couple more for Christmas. Maybe if you were lucky and you went to Woolies with your mum, she might pick you up another video at some point if you were good <laughs> like during the course of the year. But they were your movies. They were the only ones you had. So yeah. the ones you had, you knew really, really well. And the only other ones you'd get is either if you went to spa and you'd rent one out on Blockbusters or whatever it was called. Yeah. Or if you'd around your friend's house and you swapped one. So you'd say, oh, can I swap my mouse hunt for your... Um, the frog princess or whatever and, and then you'd swap and then you'd, you'd watch their one once or twice and then give it back again yeah you know? oh definitely I, I wore out two VHS tapes of Mary Poppins as a kid uh, just had it on repeat <laughs> it uh, but but also the fact that you asked me if if I was old enough to uh, remember VHS tapes is the, the most flattering thing I've heard all year so thank you very much for that <laughs> oh, that's okay <laughs> <laughs> um, so final question for you uh, what is your guilty pleasure? My guilty pleasure. Let me look on my phone for my answer. I don't know whether I actually have such a thing as a guilty pleasure because I feel very not guilty about anything that I watch, just sort of unashamedly like, I like this, I don't really care. Um, but I do, I just love all the Disney films really, if, if you're allowed to call that a guilty guilty pleasure. Um, one of them that really stuck with me, 101 Dalmatians, really loved mm. the scene in it where they've got the owner of the dog and then the dog and then they all, all look the same, you know, in the, the Disney version. Yeah, yeah. I love that bit. And it's so true as well. Don't dog owners look like their dogs? Like nine oh. times out of ten. They got that spot on in that film. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I've got, I've got two of my own and I look more and more like them every day. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I completely relate to that. But what, what are your thoughts on the, um, the live action uh, 101 Dalmatians? Have I seen it? Yes, I have. That was the one that came out in the 1990s. Yes, I actually really liked the real people version of 101 Dalmatians. Yes, I was a big fan of that. And I tell you what I'm also a really big fan of. Have you seen Cruella? No, but that's on Disney Plus now, isn't it? I really need to watch it. It's so good. The camera angles, the costumes, it didn't make my skin crawl, this one. Just everything about it was just beautiful. Um, my partner, he actually works in TV and film. He's a grip, so he basically mm. makes the camera structures that the moving cameras work um, sort of move across. So recently he's been on films like Expendables and um, another Marvel one, which I can't remember, but yeah, he like for us watching films, we get quite technical about it because he really appreciates all of the camera angles, and he's there going, "Oh, that one's really difficult because you have to focus pull whilst the camera pulls back, and all of these weird different things." But I guess you sort of pick up over time um, 
I guess the sort of techniques and stuff, like even Steven Spielberg and all of those films shot in a particular way, you know, like lots of up angles, I think I remember him saying, and various different camera filters, camera lenses, and all of those sorts of things. Um, so it's always very interesting watching a film with my partner because he always kind of points out the technical elements of the film as well. But we both really, really enjoyed Cruella on a story level and also just on a production level and how it was sort of shot. So you definitely have to watch that, it's so good. Yeah, I will. Do you know what? Um, it's, on, it's on the end of a long list where we've, so we've recently, uh, added a subscription to um, Hey You, which is basically just a load of reality TV uh, on streaming services. And so we've started binging The Real Housewives of New Jersey, and there's about 200 episodes of this show. We're about 10 in, so I've probably got a good kind of 150 hours of TV to go before I'm going to be allowed to like watch anything else. Oh no, um, so, into it. Yeah, we're in we're we're in now. We've got to finish. So yeah, um, but at the end of that is all the films that we've put on the back burner, like Cruella. And I think um that the new Marvel stuff is now on Disney Plus, like Shang-Chi, um, I think it's called. Um so yeah, there's tons of stuff. There's tons of stuff. But uh, it must be really hard with you having a podcast as well, talking about movies all day, because I'm sure you get off of conversations with people. And whatever they've told you about that film really inspires you to watch it as well. So I bet your list is so long and getting longer every single time that you speak to people. Oh, yeah, my, my list is growing. And the, the, the problem is I spend so much time now podcasting that the, the time I have to watch films is like slowly diminishing. So diminishing. The, the, the list is just getting bigger. Uh, I'm going to have to just take a year off just to catch up, I think, on like everything. Yeah, yeah. But um, that's a very interesting choice and some great choices as well from you um, today, Lizzie. So uh, thank you so much for joining me on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Liam. It's been a great conversation. Yeah, thank you. And uh, before I let you go, where can people connect with you? Probably best place is through my website, which is Lizzie Romaine, spelled L-I-Z-Z-I-E-R-O-M for mother A-I-N for November. So that's www.lizzyromaine.co.uk. Um, or I'm on Instagram, which is just Lizzie Romaine. I'm on Twitter at Lizzie underscore Romaine. I'm on TikTok at Lizzie Romaine. <laughs> but yeah, basically, if you go through my website, it's got everything on there. <laughs> Amazing. Well, it has been wonderful to chat with you. You've been a great guest and uh, hopefully we'll get you back sometime for a sequel. Thank you so much, Liam. That's it for this week of the Friday Film Club. Thanks for listening. And remember, you can rate and review us on all good podcast platforms. Also, uh, do reach out to us on social media at the Fry Film Club on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. And if you want to be a guest in a future episode, do drop us a message on social media or email liam at hefcorp.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks so much for listening to the first season of the Friday Film Club. I hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, we are busy planning for season two. And that's going to be coming early next year. So do keep your ears out for that. We're lining up some great guests 
And uh, of course, if you've got any feedback, do let us know. Uh, we want you to enjoy what you hear. Um, and also uh, remember before season two starts to tell everyone about the show, follow us on social at the Fry Film Club and leave a review and a rating uh, so others can find us as well. Uh, that would be great. Enjoy your Christmas and your new year and we will see you on the other side.